providing you with the tools, knowledge, skills, and power to advance your career, grow your business, and build a better future for your community. We are the Tourism Academy. Welcome to Business Class. Welcome to this week's episode of Business Class from the Tourism Academy. Steve Ekstrom sits down to interview Dwayne Parrish, the Director of Parks, Recreation, and Tourism from the state of South Carolina. Dwayne shares how he became interested in the hospitality industry at an early age. He talks about some unique places to visit in South Carolina, and he discusses some of his mentors in the tourism industry. Let's get to the show. Here's your host, Steve Ekstrom. Extra, extra, extra. Hello, everybody. This is Steve Ekstrom, Business Class Podcast from Tourism Academy and tourismacademy.org. It is my pleasure today to welcome Dwayne Parrish, the Director of Parks, Recreation, and Tourism for the lovely state of South Carolina. Uh, Dwayne, welcome to Business Class. Thanks, Steve. And looking forward to it. Good. So how did you get your start in, in tourism? Well, it, literally going to as a hotel, going to hotels as a child, I fell in love with hotels. The thought of someone else making my bed and having a big bin of ice down the hall, <laughs> really accessible, appealed to me as a child. I always wanted to travel with my parents and stay in hotels. And so I said, when I grow up, I'm going to work there. I did. Worked in hotels for a number of years, uh, worked for various chains of Holiday Inn, Hilton's, um, had my own hotel management development company, and then was appointed by Governor Nikki Haley in 2011. My current position is part of the South Carolina Cabinet of Government, where I'm director of uh, South Carolina Parks, Recreation, and Tourism. So it's always been about heads in the beds, though, even from childhood, literally. That's what it's been all about. That's interesting. So taking on the additional role of the parks, um, where I suppose there's some heads and beds and, and camping and, and whatnot there going is. on. Um, what have you found to be the most interesting thing that you've learned about the other parts of the of the department? Well, the state parks, I've grown up and lived in South Carolina all of my life. And I had been to maybe 10, or 10 of the 47 total. But my gosh, now there's some of the 90,000 acres of the most beautiful land and, and geography in South Carolina. Um, and I tried to send that message out to people in the state who, listen, you really need to get out and enjoy them. The really good news, the pandemic is, you know, cabin fever is a powerful thing. And the pandemic has gotten a lot of people out once things reopen. And parks have had their best year ever since last, since last June when we reopened. And you know, people see those now. But phenomenal things to see and do that you just don't know are out there. I always tell people if blood pressure, if high blood pressure is a problem, you can go to a state park and bring your blood pressure down about 10 points. And <laughs> so I truly believe that. And so there are phenomenal places to see, uh, phenomenal places to go, and the best price value of anything you'll spend as a tourist. As a tourist. So if I'm planning my trip to uh, South Carolina coming up soon, what are maybe two or three highlights you want me to make sure I see? Make sure you, you can't see leave all- out any city or any particular park. You can't, you can't leave anybody <laughs> Well, I, you know, I have my favorites, and, and, and you have to show bias, even though I'm a statewide tourism director. So I'll start with just in the upstate in the mountains. You know, we're at the base of the Blue Ridge Mountains. We have what I believe the prettiest lake in South Carolina called Lake Jocassee. Um, it was part of the Jocassee Gorges. We have the name of the state park there is Devil's Fork State Park. Phenomenal place. We have uh, 20 villas. We have a large campground. We have a boat-in campground. You can rent a boat there on the lake. The lake is beautiful. Um, it's not developed, so there aren't any houses on the lake. Um, so it's 
get out on parts of the lake and there's really not any sign of mankind. And that's rare that you can do that these days. The other part's unique, there's about a dozen waterfalls around the lake, one of which you can drive your boat underneath the waterfall, which is a unique experience. So moving from the upstate there, I would come down. Um, we have a big equestrian component here in a little town called Aiken, a little town called Camden, They're just outside Columbia, which is the state's capital. Um, several Kentucky Derby winners have been uh, raised and trained there in both of those places. Um, you know, don't obviously have the history that Kentucky and Churchill Downs do, but but a phenomenal place. We have our own Carolina Cup, our own steeplechase races that are a great place to do. And then, of course, we have you know, 300 miles of coastline from everything from Myrtle Beach and the Grand Strand area down through Charleston, one of the most historic cities in, this, in, the, in the United States, all the way down to Hilton Head, which is a barrier island that is a phenomenal place to visit. And then really kind of cool little islands and different places to stay in between from Edisto Beach to Buford, South Carolina, to Georgetown, South Carolina, all those things in between. You know, the coast is by far the most popular. We're known for beaches. But those are some of the key key things I would, anybody that's going to come to the state for three or four days, kind of take in those places. Now, who would you say has had the biggest impact on your your business philosophy? Oh, gosh. Um, growing up in the hotel business, you know, it was about heads in the beds. I, I would say um, Governor Nikki Haley, who appointed me in, two, in 2011, um, you know, part of the we hit it off very early on. Um, she was very much uh, pro-business or private sector, bringing that sort of influence into state government. Um, she told me that you know, don't be afraid to push the envelope, bring a business sense into parks and the tourism, uh, and I've got your back. And really, that was all I needed to hear. But that had a big influence on me and in how I managed state government. Um, went through a bump, it, very different, you know, in how things work in state government from procurement to. Because you know, as a hotel general manager, when you want a parking lot uh, you know, repaid, you go get three bids, pick one of the bids, and then three weeks later, the parking lot's done. That takes about two to three years in state government. <laughs> and so I tried to bring that sort of speed that uh, story like that up a little bit, um, bring that sort of approach into state government. But she had a profound impact on me in how to do things um, and get things done, you know, for the betterment of quality of life of South Carolinians and visitors. Um, and to promote South Carolina for the wonderful things we have in the state. Now, tourism is a big economic driver. Um, it's one of the biggest export products that we have here in the States. And filling the need for labor, particularly right now, has been challenging in a lot of places. Um, how have you been handling that in South Carolina? Um, it's been very difficult. You know, I think two, several things happened. One, tourism came back faster than people anticipated. A lot of people have forgotten that we really had a little bit of a labor problem before the pandemic. Our unemployment rate in the state was around 3% when the pandemic started. Um, so it was difficult finding people then. Then we had a massive layoff of over 50% of people in hospitality. And a lot of them went and found other careers during that time. So when things started back, and then you throw in there was stimulus money, there was additional you know, federal money from the, from the government. That has been cut off now in South Carolina as of this, as of the end of June. And so it's starting to trickle back a little better. But, but what, the, what else has happened in there, Stephen, is hotels and restaurants have how to, it figured out how to do things with a few less people. You know, keyless check-in now. You know, Hilton honors, excuse me, Hilton honors merit rewards. Hyatt, you can check in and not go to the front desk. You just use your phone and the app and get you in the door. Um, housekeeping, you know, hotels now don't, you know, the standard a few years ago was the room was cleaned every day unless you put your do not disturb out. Today, 
if you want your room clean while you're staying, you request it. So there's less need for housekeeping, less laundry, less front desk than there used to be. The hotels have learned to adapt in restaurants the same way. We're going to some restaurants now that will cut off uh, dining, even though the dining room, even though the dining room may have empty tables, they really don't have enough servers, but there may not be enough kitchen staff to do takeout. Um, you know, again, I go back to cabin fever. The leisure market came back much faster than people anticipated. You call a restaurant in South Carolina now on the weekend, you need to call a couple of weeks ahead. I mean, they really are full of reservations. Part of that's the labor issue, and part of it is the demand is so much stronger. And so those things are colliding at the moment. The, the good news, it's a, it, it's, a, it's a good problem to have. I mean, it is, it's a problem, but hotels and restaurants suffered a lot through the pandemic. And some of them are trying to make up some of that. Um, when we've had to take out loans last year, we need to pay back those loans now. So they're trying to increase that revenue. And you see the prices go up, menu prices. You see hotel room rates go up, Airbnb rates go up, et cetera. Um, a lot of that's factored into that, but they also have to go out to pay for that labor. But you, you know, no one in South Carolina in the hospitality industry is paying minimum wage. I mean, these rates have gone up dramatically from housekeeping, front desk, staffing, try to address some of that problem. And the good that's the good news. The long term is we're, we're typically an industry that's known for low wages. That's quickly not becoming the case because we're having to pay more to, to obtain and, and to attract and retain people. One of the things you pointed out was that businesses have had to find new ways of doing things and finding more efficiencies. Uh, from a state level, um, what are, what's maybe one thing that you're most proud of in the last year and a half that you have been able to lead the charge on that's a bit innovative? Oh, state parks by far. Um, we closed down for almost two months, reopened in May actually of 2020. Our folks were wearing masks. Our rangers, at that time, no one was directed to wear a mask at that point because really it was still sort of in a lockdown phase. And, you know, coming in the summer, it was hot, but I was proud of the way our park staff in particular, we had lines, we had we had parks that had never hit capacity in their 80 year history, but all of a sudden they had people waiting outside the gate because people would have been locked up and, and, and really were ready to get out. And outdoor recreation has been extremely popular since the pandemic. And so, but I'm most proud of those folks who uh, weathered that storm through the through the summer, got through that, busiest they've ever been, and then you throw in a pandemic, really made life difficult for the park staff. I'm so proud of those folks. They they you know they've always been a little bit like the military or the Marines. They sort of adapt and overcome, and that's what they've done. I can't tell you what a phenomenon they are. I get so many great letters about our state parks and the staff and the rangers that work there. Um, at a time when people hadn't seen anybody for a while, that was the first person they saw in many cases. And, and, and I'm really proud of what they did. And what they this paid off for us. Our, our revenue is up about $10 million this year in state park. Nice. And thinking back to the start of your career, what's something you wish you knew then? Um, the impact of technology and how it would change things. I was a general manager of a Hampton Inn at 25 years old. And um, of course, when you're 25, you think you know everything. And, but not realizing what technology would do and how it would transform you know, the smartphone, reservations, how people do business, um, how the consumer does business and how the back of the house of a hotel does business. Um, all of that has changed so dramatically. Technology, somebody had told me, I wish somebody had told me back then that everybody would be doing just about everything they need to do 
from this phone that's about two inches by four inches with a bright, beautiful screen on it in, in really less than 30, 40 years. That's the kind of thing I wish I'd, I had embraced. I wish I'd embraced the technology and what it could really mean in terms of change. It's been interesting to see how technology, and I say this, I'm in the online learning space, and we've seen obviously a surge in the last year and a half of folks transitioning their their in-person training to online and the technology that it takes to deliver that effectively. Uh, you know, Zoom is a great example. Zoom's been around for a little while. Right. And my team, we were all working remotely, so we got used to video conferencing. And now all of a sudden, every one of my meetings is a Zoom is a Zoom chat. So um, Exactly. Yeah. I mean, look at Zoom. Just in the last two years, what digital meetings now are, or virtual meetings, if you will, versus where they were two years ago, they were there, but really not being used much. How rapid that technology can come and change things. And people, you know, good guest service at a hotel is still good guest service that it was 40 years ago. But technology, completely good. Quick break to tell you about Group Travel Odyssey. Tour operators, do you ever lack quality service and support from your IT provider? Are you tired of entering the same system information over and over? Well, now is your chance to be part of the GTO community. Group Travel Odyssey is software and service that helps you effortlessly manage your group travel marketing, sales, operations, suppliers, and accounting. Visit grouptravelodyssey.com to request a demo so you can personally experience our flexible software and service. Group Travel Odyssey, business without boundaries. Now back to business class with Steve Ekstrom. So, good service. What, what would you say has been, what example comes to mind when you think of the best service that you've experienced while traveling? The best service is empathy. I always said, you know, putting yourself in the other person's shoes, whether it's an airline flight attendant, a hotel front desk person, or, or a waiter or waitress in a restaurant or a server. It really is that, what are they going through? And understanding, and the other thing is a lot of, particularly I see a lot of times is not listening. Listening is a key component of guest service. Listening to what the person's really trying to tell you. When I say listen, I don't just mean what they're saying, how they're saying it, their tone of voice. You, know, you just have to really sort of digest through that. Is this person been on the road for four hours and they can't check in yet because the room's not clean? You, know, you got to interpret that and is there an alternative? Those kinds of things. I think good guest service, though, is really listening and, and being empathetic to whoever you regardless of which business you're in. What would you say is one of the greatest myths about your job now? And how oh. that you might want to debunk? <laughs> Probably one of the biggest myths is that people in state government are um, bureaucrats. They're some of the hardest working people. And I came from the private sector my whole career until 2011. Um, they're not. There are some very creative thinking people here in state government. There are some very dedicated people in state government. There are people in parks who work 80, 90 hours uh, a week, you know, exempt employees, but they but they do it and they live on the park. You know, they they, they don't go home. I mean, their, their home is in the park, and so they, they live and breathe that. Um, there are people on the tourism side here who during a hurricane will come work the emergency operations center and be a contact for will work, you know, really sometimes 16, 17 straight hours, a government employee on their own time 
to help visitors who were you know, worried about whether or not to evacuate a location from a hurricane. I see so much of that now that that doesn't get, um, there's a common myth amongst, I think, a lot of people that government employees are bureaucrats, you can't get to, you know, I think, and I can certainly speak for our agency, when you call here, you're going to get that empathetic person on the phone who's going to try to help you. And they really are here to serve the citizens, whether it's the citizens of another state visiting or whether it's our own citizens going to a state park or the other um, parts of our agency. That's probably the biggest uh, I can think of that most is that myth. That, and I had that myth a little bit before I came to work for state government. I thought, oh boy, a bunch of bureaucrats. Sure, there's some, but that's they're few and far between. They really, they really are dedicated, hardworking people here state government. You mentioned earlier being a kid and loving loving that experience of being in a hotel. Um, what's been your favorite travel experience personally? I still love the experience, by the way, of being in a hotel. Um, you know, there's just something about it that is very unique. Uh, my favorite travel experience is um, you know, I go to a lot of conferences now in the tourism in the tourism industry world, and the tourism pe- people in the tourism world, by nature of their job, are typically very friendly, very um, extroverted, outgoing. And my favorite travel experience now is to um, honestly, I'll, I'll be even more specific. My tra- favorite travel experience we do this twice a year prior to the pandemic. We've done it virtually since. Is I sit in a room with my forty nine counterparts around the country, and we talk about anything and everything. We share. You know, you think we are competitors, but it is amazing what we will share. We will talk about the greatest ad campaigns, the dumbest state government rules, you name it. We, we cover it all. We, have, we, we call it open forum now. We'll start it out and we'll, we'll have a cocktail during that time period. And people will just say, good, bad. I get the best ideas and some of the things not to do from my counterparts around the country. You know, whether it's, it's been virtual, obviously, the last two years, but... Prior to that, that was my connection time because there's only one state tourism director in each state. There's really only 50 of those jobs. And so there's certainly destinations, individual cities, but that was probably, that's probably the most fun travel experience now is to go, is to go see these people that are experiencing the same thing I am on a daily basis and kind of um, tell success stories, tell horror stories and all those, and share those things. I love doing that now and I can't wait. I'm going to see them in August of this year for the first time since the pandemic started, and I can't wait. Well, I wrap up. Is there anything I didn't ask that I should have? No, I would just, you know, people ask, you know, the elevator answer, what does your agency do? And really, you know, the hotel industry has always used the heads and the beds term. Um, We have feet in the fairways and people in the parks and lots of other butts in the boats. We hear them all. But really, it's that simple. And I tell people the agency, don't forget what, at any point in time, what you're doing here at the agency is not impacting one of those things. Because that's what it's all about at the end of the day. We're here to make quality of life for residents better, and we're here to make the tourism industry strong. As long as you're doing something to affect those things, you're doing part of your job. And so, But no, I, I just say, um, you know, remind, remind people how powerful cabin fever is. Tourism is coming back strong, came back faster than people thought. We still don't have international business. We still really don't have all of the, you know, the commercial traveler back. And the meetings market is not fully back. But the leisure traveler is out in, you see them everywhere. Traffic like I haven't seen before. Hotels full um, more than anybody thought this early on. So, um, yeah, I think 2021 and 2022 are going to be much better than people thought they would be six months ago. 
I appreciate that optimism. I'm sure a lot of the listeners are going to as well. Uh, I wrap up with a card game. Okay. I'm not going to ask you to put money on it, but if you're going to throw money around, <laughs> um, pick a number one to ten. Seven. Okay. <laughs> All right. We've got a, a tough question here on the question card. How difficult is it for you to forgive someone who refuses to apologize? This is a random card out of the deck. If you want me to do another one, we can edit. And no, that's fine. It's very difficult. You know, there's nothing like an apology, and that's part of that empathy I talked about earlier. And I've had that people. I've had that happen to me in person. Somebody would just refuse to apologize. I would give them every chance. And I don't forget it, and I won't go back. I mean, it's... An apology is such an easy thing to do, and, and I realize people have pride, but you know, um, even when you're, you know, there are many times in my career, my hotel career, and, and my job now, where I've apologized, even though I was pretty sure I was right, but the apology went a long way, and it's simple, and it's easy to do, and it didn't cost me anything, but, but I don't forget it when somebody else would I, I'm with you in that boat. You know, <laughs> my butt's in that boat, too. Uh, if folks want to... <laughs> if good. folks want to... If folks want to learn more about visiting South Carolina or get in touch with your office, how would sure. they do that? Um, websites, discoversouthcarolina.com. Um, you can look at it, just Google it online and it'll, it'll pop right up. And there's, more, there's more information about South Carolina than you ever want to know. <laughs> Take a course, train your people, teach what you love, promote your products. Donate today at tourismacademy.org, a 501c3 nonprofit organization.